The KM Community Podcast, bringing you stories from Kent's communities every week. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the KM Community Podcast. I'm your host Oliver Kemp and over the coming months myself and my colleague Eliza Shah will be bringing you the important stories and issues from communities all over the county. If you have a story you think needs to be told, just use the hashtag KMCommunity on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter or you can email me at okemp at thekmgroup.co.uk. This week, leaving the armed forces and starting life as a civilian can be a difficult process, both mentally and physically. Many members of the military find themselves having to enter into the welfare system, a process that can be complex and confusing, according to a report released by the Forces in Mind Trust last week. The report highlighted some shocking examples of the welfare system failing veterans in need. One veteran, who remains anonymous, found himself relying on food banks, skips and bins to survive, all because of the harsh sanctions of the universal credit system. Professor Lisa Scullion at the University of Salford led this report and says there is a real concern in the way veterans are being assessed to be fit for work. So there was very serious concerns within our research that um, a number of veterans had been incorrectly assessed as being fit for work um, through the assessment process. And there was concerns that the people making those assessments weren't suitably qualified to assess um, impairments that related to service, particularly mental health. So they didn't really understand those. And people were being found fit for work when they very clearly weren't fit for work. So what measures are in place here in Kent to support our veterans in financial need? To discuss this, I sat down with Kate Parkin, the director for the Kent and Medway Armed Forces NHS Network. The KM Community Podcast. Kate, thank you for joining me. Thank you. I'm sure some of the information and conclusions reached by the Forces in Mind report were shocking to many people. Um, this very much lies in your expertise and your everyday work. So were you surprised by some of the conclusions that they came to? Um, actually, no. Um, we have had to pick up um, a number of cases that have had problems um, with getting the assessments and the um, amount of money that they should be getting in recognition of what is actually wrong with them. So those, those, all those responses that were coming from that report are, are what you would expect in your everyday. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sad, it's a sad state of affairs, is. really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, universal credit's been attacked a lot over the past few years. There's been identification issues that have blocked people from receiving payments. There have been five-week waits that have pushed people into food banks. And the whole system, which is obviously an online system now, it seems quite confusing and complicated. Uh, in your experience working with veterans of Kent, how often are they faced with a kind of frustrating and difficult process of managing their finances? Um, I think it is improving um, as, as everyone gets to know the system. But with all online pro- um, not everyone has access to online and that's the first starting point is actually some of them need support even to go online and get it and then it's to try and understand and prove what um, they should be entitled to um, particularly if they aren't well um, with mental health or physical health issues or in difficult positions. Do you find that that, that ends up being a fairly common issue because I, I suppose sometimes we take for granted the fact that we're online and we don't we just don't even think about it do we but are there a significant number of people out there especially veterans that are coming out of the forces and and struggling with that kind of online process? Um, particularly those who have been out maybe for a little while um, or um, feeling that they can't connect with the world at the moment through electronic means um, they can have difficulty and they definitely the older 
um, part of the generations who maybe didn't have computers in those days but still don't fall into pensions but even they have problems because some of that's gone online as well now yes yes i suppose it's a, a lot of it's a cost cutting thing a budget saving thing it's supposed to be there to streamline yeah. the system isn't it um do you, do you find that there would there's is there on the whole more issues now it's online than when there was a person to speak to or do you think that that system in general was just so complicated anyway um i think it's always been quite complicated and difficult um and that's the part of the problem is people not knowing where they can go to get support to actually help them solve some of those problems and help them through it when they are faced with it um i know i help even just personally a number of people just because actually it is quite complex unless you're used to form for filling yeah it is difficult and I think it's important for people to understand how complicated the support system networks for armed forces veterans actually are. So even if you start to research it like I have done, there is there are so many different charities out there. There's the armed forces champions that were put out by the Department of Work and Pensions. There's so many different areas. I mean, can you break down for us so we can actually try and understand how this system works in general? Yes, as you say, it is really complex and there's um, meant to be about 2,500 charities. Um, all of the sections, there are now areas that we're all working together and bringing that together. Um, there are, um, there's COBSIO, which is a really good place to go for if you're wanting to check a military charity and make sure they're genuine. Um, and what you've named as um, service champions, champions that are in DWP are now part of actually the Armed Forces Network, which I run on behalf of the whole of Kent and Medway, which is a source of bringing everyone together whether it's the charities it's the public sector work and pensions police um, we work together now to try and help that and have one central point for contact for people because that's what's important isn't it is making it is. sure people understand where they need to go uh, and also if they are t um, contacting somebody that those people know where to go as well so that they can bring in the support that's required because there is actually quite a lot of support there's people that can help them fill in forms do that online for them or also translate some of things where people may not be getting the message across that they can't do something because they don't know how to fill the form in mm. that sounds like that's quite a workload do you have do you have enough people on your staff <laughs> to deal with the whole county's worth of work there um basically there's three three people and we cover the whole of sussex kent and medway wow so it is very busy, but what we've tried to do is actually train others to be able to do that and work as part of a system. So we've now got 1,000 service champions and they're in all organisations across that that area. And we work with the charities and we're trying to make central resources. So if someone gets stuck, they know where to go, they can look at it. We have um, information online, um, which we can share, um, which is Kent and Medway Armed Forces Network. And that has all the pathways to where you can get access, help and how to c contact people. And um, in addition to that, we also have something called the Forces Connect app. And that is a single point for Kent to Medway, which is really good that they can, within four clicks, get what they need. But if you just phone us up, um, we can also help on that one. And we can make sure that that number is also shared. And that just means that people don't have to be able to go online to get support. If the worst comes to worst and people really don't know, there's is the Veteran Gateway, which is a single point of access, but that's very nationally driven and not local for Kent and Medway, and they won't know all the local Kent and Medway services, which we've now got in within our system. 
So it sounds like quite, that's quite a big undertaking, des- getting the app out there and designing that. So that's just available for Kent and Medway, is it? Um, it's available for the southeast. Okay. So it will be Kent, Medway, Sussex, Hampshire, Surrey, and um, doing London over the summer. So, so the plan is to put, really push that out to, so, to more areas that are in need. Yeah. But it sounds like in terms of in terms of trying to understand the support networks available to veterans, what we have here in Kent is is actually quite a robust system in some ways. Yes, and it's it's um, very well linked now into all the reserve centres, the regular units as well, and their families, so that we can um, support th- pay people in in those situations, and that then helps and helps us get out to the veterans. So my plea now is veterans family members even if you've served one day you are classed as someone who has served in the armed forces you might not see yourself as a veteran but actually there is help out there and we can help you and get you to the right people yeah and i think some of that and i understand this was something that professor scallion highlighted in this forces and mind trust report there is a stigma in getting help isn't there yes and that, that seems like that's one of the, the greatest hurdles in what you guys are trying to do. Yeah, we're doing quite a lot of work and we've got some courses coming out for veterans and their families. And then amount is how you can self-help yourself, because I know that's what people want is those skills to help themselves. But also it's a lot of it is what you're entitled to. It's not you being helpful, given money. It's saying, actually, are you claiming your pensions if, if you've got a war pension? Are you getting the right... Um, assessments and and assistance like your credits as you should be which then stops you going into debt which then stops all the and a number of the other problems and kate i wonder where does that stigma where does that stigma come from initially is that a cultural thing in the forces um the forces are uh, taught how to cope and to manage with what they're doing they've got a big work through ethics so actually they're really good employee people to employ because actually they'll turn up on time work through come up with a solution so when they can't come up with a solution and they haven't got their colleagues around them which is what they're used to team working that's when it can sometimes fall down because they they don't want to and they don't don't want to put their hands up and say actually i need help because because they don't know where to put their hand up to and, and I guess that's that's the difficulty isn't yeah. it but how do you how do you go about tackling an entire culture of of not accepting help um i think within the armed forces they're doing a lot that um building and resi- um, resilience within them and i think a lot of it's in word of mouth um i go to a number of breakfast clubs and link in with drop-ins and associations to actually try and get the message out there that there is the support and it and sometimes people need it but then they can then help others if they need it later on so that starts that message of actually you can talk about it and there's one video I show of actually two um, people actually in the ambulance service, but it's the same as the armed forces. And it says actually just talking about it, speak to your friends, is actually really good and can make a big difference to people. Mm. So just that in general opening up when you do yeah. need help, which actually is probably something as a society in general. It is, is good something to... that men particularly have difficulty with, and it's just in trying to encourage people to talk about things because it makes it easier for themselves and actually unburdening it actually suddenly there's there are often solutions it sounds like things like breakfast clubs and are exactly the right way to go because they're community focused yeah. ideas right so like this morning i was actually in a wood project um and that was really interesting because therefore you're using the natural environment to work with with people and support them and have their mental health well-being which is really important. Mm. And, and is there, in general, is there enough funding for these kind of projects? Because they sound like they're very important, but is, is there an adequate 
pot, uh, pot of funding there available to get these all these projects off the ground all the time? Um, there's, with all things, there's never enough. Um, some things is duplication, so some of it we need to do some streamlining, and some of it is quite difficult because, for example, I'm within the NHS, so my core role is paid for. But when you're in it of, and you're going a bit forth further out of what would be a statutory requirements, then it, you don't actually fit in within um, budgets and things that you can bid for. So someone like myself has difficulty sometimes because we don't fit within a charity sector. <laughs> or within the public sector, because we're going across and bridging those gaps between organisations. But it sounds important to have an organisation that is bridging those two things. And I think that's where it's been really good to see all the charities in our area are working together and realising and starting to put bids in. And that's where I'll have to be also creative and think about how I work with the other partner organisations to make that difference. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that really makes people understand the difficulties facing certain people that are facing hardships is is examples of, of what has happened to these people. Are there any specific cases, obviously anonymous, that, that really kind of underline the issues for you in terms of uh, veterans that need that need help in the community? Um, well, we've had some where um, we've actually helped them with their assessments um, and two good really good examples of that is someone with mental health who was asked the question, can you walk? Um, what they didn't ask was when was the last time you were able to walk outside your door without any help and so if they answered it that way it's a no and therefore they um, when we answered it that way for them they got their assessments and got their um, the money that they should be owed and another one like can you cook a meal and they said no they said yes sorry but when was the last time three years ago because actually I can't mentally go out buy the food prepare it and eat it so that was related to that very the topic where we started on are really good examples and once we've helped them with that they've got them but there's other cases where people have been in difficulties either it's been like they've had mental health we've got them through the treatment we've got them then back into work and multiple organizations have come together to work on that and another good case was we had a homeless person who um, within 48 hours we got in a bed and breakfast for overnight we got them into rehab services the DWP Department of Work and Pensions worked with them as they moved area from one area to area to make sure they kept all their payments and then they got the um, substance misuse support as well as then the rehab and mental health and that's where four or five organisations came together to make that difference and one of our mottos is working together you can make a difference and that's I think what it is it is no one organization can do it yeah that's very two very positive examples i want to go back to that first example where you're rephrasing a question to make sure somebody's getting help especially in terms of understanding mental health to me that sounds as if there's quite a lot of hoops to jump through because it sounds like the wording of these online assessments are not there to catch people out but they're certainly not there to ease the process no and i think um, a lot of them are very physically orientated and actually, with mental health, it's not like that. And you may have um, one good day, but actually, you mostly against that, maybe have 10 bad days or something like that, and where you can't do things. And so, therefore, you can't hold down a job. You can't um, go out and look after yourself. Your one good day, you celebrate <laughs> um, and, and that your life is moving forward. But actually, it's quite difficult because they don't understand that always. And I think that some of the understanding is mental health isn't always understood by people. And that can be quite 
difficult. That sounds like a misunderstanding on both <laughs> sides, though. So misunderstanding yeah. in terms of people who are suffering with poor mental health that need to get help, but also in terms of the system that's in place, it's not fit for purpose in terms of making sure that people with mental with poor mental health are able to get that help. Yeah, and I, I think it's... And that's what a lot of work's been done at the moment on, and I think it is improving all the time, but there's still more work to do. Mm. Is that is that initiative coming <coughs> directly from government, though? Is that directly coming from the Department of Work and Pensions, and is, is that work being put in to try and try and put the, the, the issues of mental health more into that assessment system? Um, I think it's coming from all routes, um, but it is a slow process because it comes down often to individuals, how much individuals engage with things and what preconceptions they came from. So once again, I think some of it also is cultural um, and, and an understanding and also to an understanding that mental health isn't just one thing. PTSD, for example, um, it is only a small percentage who have it. But you can have other mental health conditions and multiple things and often with a bit of physical, which all make life can make life difficult. Mm. But often and some of them are recoverable, but others are you manage them, you live with them like long term conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another part of this of this report that was, that was put out. Uh, by the forces in mind trust was was had a lot to do with sanctions and sanctions have come up a, a lot about universal credit in the press over the last few months or so um and there was i mean just to i guess to explain to to listeners what the sanctions process is because it's not always immediately obvious but if you the idea is if you fail to meet your responsibilities of your commitment to universal credit they can sanction you which means cancelling payments and there were some fairly shocking examples in the forces in mind trust of individuals who, for example, didn't do the mandated 35 hours job search a week, they did 24 instead. And that could mean that you don't then have access to your universal credit for a few months potentially, and then you're having to go to food banks. That, that to me sounds like a, a system that really needs to change. It was something that they advocated for in the report that the sanctions maybe need to be scrapped for veterans. Is that something you would agree with? Um, I think there is something that needs to be looked at is because actually why were they needing credits in the and needing support in the first place um, because actually 96% of the people who come out of the armed forces can get jobs because they're really employable. So those 4% that aren't, there's usually a reason behind it and just going and job searching isn't necessarily the solution. It's actually understanding why and what can be done and also what support has been given out there for them because there is um, charities um that actually now DWP and that link into like life work. So there are ways of helping people back into work. And is that happening so they get the right job? Because also it's been aware that sometimes if they've been through situations, being put in a office isn't necessarily appropriate. So it's actually looking and seeing whether there's something in the countryside or in other environments that actually may be more suitable. So mm. I think it's been a bit more sophisticated about how you look at things yeah it's slightly more holistic as well yeah. because and again some of that might come down to, to mental understanding mental health again because if it, like you say if somebody's been through a certain situation then sitting in, a, in an office all day may not be may not be the right thing for them yeah. but how do you factor that into a very large okay. system with a lot of bureaucracy and a lot of red tape and that kind of thing yeah and it may be that you actually come up with different rules and ways that veterans can deal with it that yes they need to engage with life works other systems they there's a whole support system out there for veterans and actually making sure they link in that so that actually the best is made and brought um, support brought for them um, and that maybe will get them back into work 
Yeah. So for people out there that feel like they want to do more and, and help those veterans that are in need, what, what, what can people do? Um, there's lots lots of ways. Yes, there's volunteering. Um, that's always a really good good route um, and they can always contact us and we can um, have ways of, of thinking of that. But some of it is just being aware and asking when you're doing whatever role you're in is saying, um, have you or have has any member of your immediate family served? Because that is the only way of actually identifying a veteran or someone. And by doing that, you might think, oh, OK, you have. That might give me a bit of understanding. Where can I get support and um, link in with people and get um, think about how we do things in our own services and whether that's a small company with only one or two people in it or larger ones. And they can look at, can they employ people or look at things in a different way because actually often CVs may not be right um, because they aren't translated from military to civilian language and it's just simple things like that that actually could make a difference by just having a conversation with someone instead of oh no I'm for see that's interesting I hadn't even considered to me that every time you apply for a if you apply for a different different industry and different job your CVs tend to be different but if you've been in the military all your life yeah. That's a completely different process of writing something, isn't yeah. it? And actually, they've got so many skills like translating that a lot of the teamwork and things like they do. They do a lot of project management. They do logistics, which all fit with other industries. And it's sometimes helping someone understand, put that into that, that language. And is that the kind of work that an arm, the Armed Forces Champions would, would help in doing? Yeah. And also, um, there's links into things like LifeWorks, which is a Royal British Legion industry, um, who give training for that and anyone can access that as a veteran so that's where there's so many things that we can sign po people to depending on what their needs are yeah and i'm um, just a what i mean what's going to be next for the for the for the network because i know that you were a finalist in the soldiering on awards if you want to talk a little bit about that and tell tell listeners about what that was <laughs> um that's a national award with scott scotland um everyone involved um there's there were um, a group for collaboration and showing how you were working across the system and we were one of the finalists for that for the work that we've been doing in Sussex and Kent and Medway um, the little little team we are um, and it was just really good to get some national recognition we were beaten by a group which were four million pounds funding <laughs> compared with ours well but... <laughs> you know I mean that's, that's quite a, quite a that's big old bit of funding isn't it of, so big old bit of funding but we were really pleased that we were even finalists because it just recognises what we have been doing our next step is that we are going to be doing a course for veterans their families and carers and that's going to be a self-management course to help them understand where they can help themselves whether it is with addictions uh, mental health suicide prevention because we're doing a lot on suicide prevention at the moment and then where they can access support for themselves or for others because actually it's then often as mates they will help someone else and say oh actually why don't you go and talk to so-and-so and that's how often it comes by that word of mouth so much of this seems to be a, a case of if everybody can raise that awareness, then we can all collectively yeah. do something to... Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing with the, with the population is just to ask the question and then think, oh, yeah, there is somewhere you can go. The KM Community Podcast. Thank you for listening to the first KM Community Podcast. We'll be here every single week highlighting the important stories and issues from communities around Kent. If you have an important story you think we should be telling, you can contact us using the hashtag KM Community on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. You can get hold of us in all the usual ways for Kent Online or you can email me personally at okemp at thekmgroup.co.uk. See you next week. The KM Community Podcast. 
Bringing you stories from Kent's communities every week.